Today, Adam Dara, Director of Threat Intelligence at Zero Fox, joins us to talk about the government's cyber response, nation-state tensions, and critical infrastructure security. All this and more on The Cyber Jack Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today to talk about these really important topics. Let's kick things off with you telling us a little about your background and what you've been focused on recently. Yeah, absolutely. I joined ZeroFox about two and a half months ago from a company called Vigilante. Uh, Vigilante was a member of the Allstate family. We specialized in, in the human intelligence side of, of cyber threat intelligence. You know, prior to, to joining Vigilante, I was uh, I spent a little over eight years in the federal government. I was uh, an intelligence analyst specializing in, in Russian foreign domestic uh, policy issues, and uh, was able to you know learn a lot there about the business of intelligence, uh, including some cyber, and then uh, transition into the public sector to you know, learn from the from what the public sector uh, does right and well and marry those ideas with the, the great gifts that the private sector now can offer, you know, our clients. Well, we're always excited to talk to folks with your type of background and get insights on what really is going on in terms of public and private sector collaboration. And I'd like to hone in on the government response portion. We know ransomware and nation state threats are very front and center right now. Can you talk a bit about the government's response to recent ransomware attacks? And the bigger question, is what they're actioning the right thing to do? Yeah, the, the federal government is and continues to be very active in this space, specifically to ransomware. Just a couple of weeks ago, there were a couple of things that happened. One, something called the International Cybercrime Preven- Prevention Act of 2021 is being touted. It outlines at least six areas where... The federal government's going to begin officially trying to enforce different laws, new laws to punish from a criminal standpoint, bad threat actors in the cyber underground. Moreover, the the United States Department of Treasury also moved forward with officially sanctioning uh, certain cryptocurrency exchanges known to facilitate uh, ransomware payments. Now, again, you've got to understand something. So there there are a couple layers to this. There's the diplomatic layer that's happening between countries. So foreign officials are meeting and talking about these things. The United States government's fully involved in these talks. Then you have the, let's call it the clandestine action side of any of these issues. So there are, there are likely things going on in the background that the United States government's doing to shore up its defenses and consider ways to combat this threat in various ways. And when I say combat, I don't necessarily mean kinetic action against our cyber attacks, right? I want to be clear. Uh, that could mean, you know, um, increasing um, authorities to get, you know, really essential intelligence on who's behind this, figuring out the, the technical infrastructure behind this, and being able to, you know, more smartly take targeted action and targeted measures should the need arise, but mostly probably aimed at gathering better intelligence. Uh, and then there's what they're doing now, uh, which is, you know, putting forth legislation to uh, educate the business sector and the private sector on on the red lines in dealing with these people uh, or dealing with these ransomware groups. Now, m- my personal opinion is that uh, although I applaud the effort to really come down on the ransomware groups, it needs to be done. The ransomware groups should understand exactly what they're doing and that the United States should understand the United States to project its red line on this. You know, you can't 
attack our food supply. You can't go after our energy and our infrastructure. And the the way they've skirted this in the past, they being the ransomware groups, is that technically a ransomware, I know we say attack, but a, a, a ransomware incident in a company walks that fine line between cyber attack and um, hacking. So under like our current military doctrine, a cyber attack against the United States invokes different responses, right? So the United States military is obligated to respond and like that is considered an attack. And our adversaries don't necessarily want a military to military engagement over this. This is being done to skirt the line, to kind of thumb their nose at us, make some money and embarrass us at the same time. Now, what I hope doesn't happen is a disproportion, disproportionately punishing American businesses who are acting within the law. I hope that you know businesses that either don't have a mature understanding of what ransomware is or what it means to negotiate with ransomware, I hope they don't get punished you know unnecessarily. You know, some people don't have the budgetary wiggle room. Not all of us, you know, work for companies that can, you know, pivot so quickly with these federally mandated the things that are coming down, right? To mandate, you know, protecting people's data, protecting networks against ransomware attacks. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I don't question their intentions. I, I think the intentions are, are spot on. However, let's just hope that there's there is some wiggle room to allow people with less mature understandings, less budgetary um, resources to to learn. And also, let's not take away a tool to help fight back, you know, the private sector, I mean, you know, so, so, you know, negotiating with these with these ransomware groups is a tool, right? Because if I don't have a backup and they've got my data and I've got people whose lives may depend, meaning working lives, employment, food, like if I've got people's data and, and I was for whatever reason an oversight, I had a bad night, I didn't back up my data, I don't want the federal government to punish me as a, as a law-abiding citizen when I am just trying to like feed the people that I love and care for, <laughs> right? And so, I, you know, I, I hope there's some wiggle room there. Um, it, the details are being worked out. So um, I think we're on the right track. Yeah, there's been quite the debate over how a hard blanket directive will perform in the real world. A directive like no one, no company can ever, under any circumstances, pay ransomware. It will be really interesting to see how that decision shakes out. Now, shifting gears a bit, can you talk about how successful or unsuccessful the ransomware protection strategies we do have in place are working against nation states and advanced adversaries? You know, it varies from company to company. We've seen in the news, you know, some of these very seemingly mature, mega gigantic companies become victim to these things. You know, it's it's very hard, especially if a ransomware group is in any way, shape or form being supported, whether officially with training or a, a mandate or in, or are like, you know, kind of unofficially wink, wink, nod, nod by a nation state actor with unlimited resources, seemingly unlimited resources. Right. So a determined adversary is going to get in, even if it's as simple as social engineering somebody. Right. So what we're seeing, especially in underground uh, forums is, you know, they're actively recruiting insiders. So the our, our you know, the North America, Western European, well, European companies, you know, the, not only do they have to defend their technical networks, but now we also have to figure out a way not only to educate 
the workforce, right? Because I know companies spend a lot of time and resources into educating the workforce. Don't click on that, for example. Or, or hey, you know, if you see something, say something. If something doesn't feel right, don't do it. Contact somebody. But, you know, it, what if somebody has a bad day? They're not feeling well. You know, that something awful happened to them 10 minutes before they got to work, you know, and they have a slip up and they're socially engineered into doing something malicious unintentionally, right? So the threat actors are, the threat actors are incredibly agile. They pivot on a dime and they always find a way to increase your pain. And just when you think you've got something, just when you think you have a, a part of your perimeter, okay, I got this, like I'm locked down, I'm in compliance everything's fine. They find a way to get in. You're not just talking about technically fortifying your your networks. You're also needing to fortify with education or training or, or whatever, insert whatever you want there, uh, a workforce that you know humans are prone to have a bad day. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a constant battle and it can be quite exhausting. Right. And the more companies can mitigate human error with employee education and best practices, like you said, the better off we'll all be. Now, talk to us a bit about critical infrastructure. Where is the United States in terms of critical infrastructure, cyber preparedness, and defense capabilities? Based on um, some insight I have and, and some independent research that are that we've done, governments in charge of critical things like water purification, sewage, electrical, a lot of the systems are very fragile. So these people are in a no-win situation. The the individuals that are responsible for the security are always going to be at odds with people in operations, who are always going to be at odds with people in customer service. I mean, imagine if a security person came up to you and said, hey, we're going to take a chance of possibly shutting down sewage treatment for two weeks just so we can patch this bug two weeks, no sewage treatment, right? I'm getting, using that as an example of like, it's very complicated to simply, oh, why don't you just update? Just update. So simple, right? Um, it's not simple. And so you've got this tension between, you know, us wanting to have a civilized life and not have, uh, you know, and minimize our interruptions with some of the needs that may have to, with, with some of the technical needs that should be or or could be in place to help safeguard against a, a hack, a, an intrusion, um, a ransomware attack. You know, I do not envy people in those positions uh, because it's thankless. And no matter what, you know, you, you've got you've got no matter where you look, there's a knife point, to, you know, a knife in your face. To So it, it's hard. You know, are you going to inconvenience people with their water, their sewage, their electric, their 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 gas, their oil, their like things that get them to work, things that keep them clean, things that keep us civilized. You know, um, it's 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 hard, and so, um, you know, that's that's where I stand on that. It's it's it's. But you know, there are smart people out there that hopefully will will find a better way between complete disruption or complete compliance and security. You know, there's there's got to be a way to to slow roll this and and reexamine. But again, it's, it's, it's a time resource budget and like inconvenience, you know, issue that they're all juggling with. And then you got security on the other end going, it doesn't matter. Security is the most important thing in the world. Forget about people and their clean water. It's tough. It's tough out there, Jack. It really is. Yeah. And I can only imagine the stress of balancing security with those critical services on a daily basis, not to mention on a national scale, if you're one of these large service providers. So last question, how do you see this situation evolving in the next year or so? 
Do you think we're going to see more devastating cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, or are we starting to get a handle on this? I, I think the United States government has been clear on this, which is if you attack critical infrastructure, that is considered an attack on, on U.S. sovereignty. You know, I, I, I look back at the uh, I look back at a couple of a couple of the ransomware attacks, you know, the, the colonial pipeline, for example, to be clear. Colonial made the decision to shut their their operations down to mitigate the ransom the fallout from the ransomware. Okay, not pointing fingers. I'm not saying whether that was right or wrong. They did what they had to do, which included shutting it down. So technically, technically, a government that may or may not have been responsible for that could say, "Well, hey, we didn't do it. You guys shut it down. We just ransomed you. You turned it off." Okay. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I was I, I saw the text exchange between the negotiator for the Iowa-based food food company that was that was ransomed, where where the individual negotiating said, "Don't you get what you've done? We provide like forty percent of the U.S. food production. This is critical U.S. infrastructure. You can't do this. Don't you know what you're doing?" And and the threat actor responded very flippantly, uh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're fair game, right? Which leads me to believe a couple of things. Number one, they know the line. And they know that if they cross a certain line, the United States government has no choice but to respond in a much more aggressive fashion. And number two, they simply don't have the capacity to feel what they're doing is immoral, even if it's not a technically a military attack, right? And I, I'm using that term because I, I, it is that real, which is another reason that I'm, I'm really happy to see what's happening within, at least publicly, with the United States messaging on this, which is like, it's time to get along, guys. It's time to stop this. And it's time to like, figure out a way to coexist without shutting down food production, shutting down energy, our access to energy, it's we, it's got to stop. Um, and so it's 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 a so my prediction is uh, <laughs> if it's a prediction, and again, like some of this is like reading tea leaves, but I've seen some things publicly, at least between the United States and Russia, that leads me to believe that better things are coming between our two great nations, and hopefully things will the tensions will um, tensions will just dial th- maybe the tensions will get dialed back. Uh, uh, hopefully a whole lot, but at least enough to where we can just stop playing with fire because there's no need to play this dangerous game and, and to, uh, and to be silly about very real lives that are, impl- you know, that, that are affected by, by what these hackers think is a game and, and to prove how smart they are. It's time to dial it back. And I think the United States government's doing the right thing. So if the message gets through certain channels, I think we'll see them dialing it back unless We'll see. I'm, I'm, I remain optimistic that the right steps are being taken. There it is. We'll continue to stay optimistic. Adam, thank you so much for being on and talking about this. We'll keep a lookout for more threat insights from you. To all of our listeners, we'll see you next time. <laughs>